Sabbath, everyone. It is certainly a blessing to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I want to just say a word of thanks and appreciation to both of your pastors. Um, you are blessed, Glenville. Amen. To have these men of God that are blessed and anointed with the Spirit. You need to know that our theme for the year, we are family. And everything that we want to do, everything that we want to model is centered around family. I understand that you've seen the video, so I'm not going to take time talking about what's on it. I am going to say to you that nobody wants what you have if what you have is not working for you. Amen. 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 Nobody wants what you have if what you have is not working for you. The greatest testimony to the goodness and the greatness of God is a changed life. The power of our witness is based upon our performance. Ooh. Okay, okay, all right. I know that doesn't come across very well, you know, because we look at the struggles in our lives. But what needs to be taking place is progressive growth. Amen, amen. Doesn't matter where you started off. Somebody said, I thank God I'm not what I used to be. I, 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 I'm thankful. Somebody say amen. Amen. I'm thankful I'm not where I ought to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. There has been some growth. And so today we're going to talk about a number of these things. I, your pastor kind of threw me, told me I was going to have to preach twice today. Amen. So um, I'm a... I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and do the best I can. Generally, I when I stand up, I shoot my wide. Amen. And so I know I have to reload and you know. So y'all just pray for the preacher today. Come on now. Would you please stand to your feet as we open God's word? You're turning with me in your Bibles to Luke, the 18th chapter, and we want to look at. Two verses in particular, verses 7 and 8. Luke, the 18th chapter, verses 7 and 8. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Let me read it to you from the contemporary English version. It says, won't God protect his chosen ones who pray to him day and night? Won't he be concerned for them? He will surely hurry and help them. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find on this earth anyone with any faith? Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you. We praise your holy name for who you are and what you are doing in our lives. We thank you for your presence now and we ask 
in the name of Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would do that which only you can do. Take the written word and transform it into the living, breathing, spoken word. We're going to be very careful to give your name all of the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You may be seated. It was the spring of 2007. I'd made a promise to the eighth grade class of CAA, Columbus Adventist Academy, that if they as a senior class maintained an accumulative grade point average of over 3.0, I would go with them on their class trip. They met the requirements, and we ended up in Washington, D.C. at the Smithsonian Institute, where we were blessed to hear the testimony of a lady now who was in her late 80s, early 90s, who had gone through the Holocaust. She shared her experience, and it was gripping to all that heard. At the end of her testimony, there were a few moments left, and they allowed for some questions from the audience. I raised my hand, and my question was a simple one. What place does God hold in your life, having experienced what you've gone through. The lady put her head down for a moment and then spoke clearly. She says, when you have gone through what I have gone through, there's not much space for God. This is not a unique experience. For individuals go through crises and difficulties in their life, and it manifests itself in many different ways. Just a couple of weeks ago, my wife gave me an assignment. You know the honey-do list? She wanted me to to find the carpet cleaners that had cleaned our carpet four or five months ago. And I didn't remember their names. I I thought it was something like Stevens. And so I, I, I called directory assistance and I was able to get the number of Stevens carpet cleaner. I called them, I received their answering service because they were not available. I went on to the office. Uh, While I was in a meeting, they called back. I could not take the call. After the meeting was over, I called them back. William Cox, live at 6670 Ohio Canal Court. Want to make sure that you are the cleaners that cleaned our home four or five months ago and the young man on the other line said uh, no that wasn't up you us you must be talking about Stephens um Stephens yes with a ph okay and so now I'm about to hang up the phone and he says um uh, uh, before you go let me ask you a question why are you such a liar I said, excuse me? He said, why are you such a liar? I said, man, what are you talking about? He said, I heard the end of your message. You you ended your phone message with, with, by the way, God always answers prayer. Why are you such a liar? You're a charlatan. You're you're a fake. and, And I'm about to get angry. Come on now. Why y'all looking at me like that? 
I mean, you, you don't even know me and you're going to talk to me like this and, and I'm about to get angry and the Holy Ghost whispers in my ear, if you're going to get angry with him, what makes you different from him? There ought to be a difference in terms of how you deal with him and how he deals with you because I, I'm on the inside of you. So the Holy Ghost just calms me down right then and there. And I, I said, well, 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 brother, all I can tell you is that God always answers prayers. And I said, he may not answer it the way you want him to answer it. Sometimes he says yes. And sometimes he says no. And sometimes he says not now. But God always uh, answers uh, prayers. He says, well, do you think he answered the prayers of the parents of the 20 kids that were just killed in Newtown? And I said, yes. But he didn't answer it the way that we understand because God's ways are different from our ways. And he acts differently. And what you don't understand is that if you ever got comfortable living down here in this sinful world, you would not be longing to go up there. This year, this year, Brother Pastor, I started reading the Bible uh, 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 all, all the way through again. And, and I, I made up in my mind that times are getting so difficult that if I'm going to make it in 2013, I'm going to have to have a different perspective concerning God. Hmm, hmm, hmm. And so I'm reading the Bible through now. I'm, I'm reading the contemporary version. And, and, and I'm being intentional in terms of reading the Bible through this time. I'm reading it as though I don't know the end of the story. What I want to do is I want to sense, I want to feel the emotions of individuals that are going through stories in the Bible. I, I want to know what the three Hebrew boys felt like while they were standing in front of King Nebuchadnezzar. And the king says that if you don't bow down to me, I'm going to throw you into the flames that have been fanned hotter, that seven times hotter than it ought to be. I want to know what it feels like to answer, oh king, we are not careful how we answer you in this matter. Our God is able, but even and if he doesn't, we're not going to serve you. We want to know what it feels like to have that testimony before God comes through. Oh, you missed it. I want to know what it felt like for Daniel to be standing in front of the lion's did and not know that God has already declared that Daniel is going to pray but the lions are going to fast tonight I want to know what it felt like before God comes through because I declare today you don't know how good God is until you get to the edge So I'm reading scripture again, but I'm reading it from a perspective of saying, I don't know how the story is going to end. And as I'm reading it, I, I come across this text in uh, Luke, the 18th chapter, and it, it bothers me because Luke asked the question. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I recognize that I needed to do a little researching. So I go back and I start looking at Luke in a different way. Found out that uh, 
Luke and Paul were ace boon coons, found out that it was Paul that actually inspired Luke to write down his memories of Jesus. Come on, talk to me. To write down the historical aspect of what was taking place in the early church. Found out that Luke actually wrote just one letter, but later on we divided it into two letters. And that's how you get the, the, the gospel according to Luke and the book of Acts. Uh -huh. I found out uh, that Luke's gospel is different uh, in terms of its purpose uh, than the other four gospels. Found out that Matthew wants us to know uh, of Jesus' uh, Jewish lineage and his ability to share great truth. Found out that Mark wants us to know that Jesus is a man of action and his miracles and his manifestations of divine power enables him to be qualified to be the Messiah. Found out that John wants us to know that Jesus is not only son of man, but he's son of God. That in the beginning was the word and the word was God. I found out that each of these guys for writers uh, had a specific uh, agenda. <laughs> But I got happy when I started reading about Luke. I found out that Luke just wants us to know that Jesus is concerned about human needs. Woo! I said, I said, Luke wants us to understand that Jesus is concerned about human needs. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is concerned about me. Hallelujah. I say, yeah. Jesus is concerned about my troubles. Jesus is concerned about my circumstances. Jesus is concerned about uh, my situation. Jesus uh, is concerned about me. I am not by myself, uh, but I have someone uh, that is touched uh, with the feelings of uh, my infirmities. And even though I may not see him, uh, I know uh, that he's there. Found out that Jesus is a friend to humanity. And he loves, oh my, he loves those who are not the chosen. You see, I don't have to be special in somebody else's eyes in order for God to love me. <laughs> you see, you see, Luke's gospel, Luke's gospel is a gospel that highlights the unchosen. He's the only writer in the New Testament that is not of Jewish lineage. He's a Gentile. Come on now. And in Luke's gospel, you find that uh, he highlights uh, miracles and circumstances uh, that focus in on Jesus uh, helping out uh, Gentiles. Mm, mm, mm. Luke wants us to understand that God loves you because. Not my daddy. Not my mama, not the church that I go through to, or not the behavior in my life. He just loves me because. I can be a mess and he loves me. I can be fooling around and he loves me. I can be messing up and he loves me. I can be cussing and he, and he loves me. I can be addicted and he loves me. I can have an attitude with him and he looks beyond my faults and he sees 
my needs. He loves me. That's why, that's why, that's why when Matthew gives the lineage of Jesus, he goes back to Abraham. But when Luke gives the lineage of Jesus, he goes beyond Abraham and goes all the way back to Adam because that's where we all meet under a tree. Come on, say amen out there. Luke's gospel is designed to show God's love for the unchosen. It is the only gospel that shares the story of the Good Samaritan. And so I'm reading it. And I noticed that Luke in his outline, he talks about Jesus' early years, and that's good. And he talks about his Galilean ministry, and that's good. And he talks about the ministry to the Samaritans, and that's good. But what I need to hear is, what are Luke's thoughts concerning last day events? I need to know what, what is it that Luke wants us to know, the unchosen? What, what is it that he wants us to know that we need to hold on to to make it through these last days? And I found out that the real issue in the last days will be centered around our faith. Our faith. See, often we look at circumstances of our lives as being singular events. I got sick. I, I lost my job. I cannot pay my bills. I lost a loved one. My Marriage is in trouble. And we look at this as events that I have to overcome in my life as if there is no connectivity. Hmm. You see, you see, every temptation that comes your way is uniquely designed to undermine your faith in God. Every situation that you face, every challenge that comes your way is uniquely designed to undermine your faith in God. The reason why you have trouble consistently studying the word and praying is because the devil knows that faith is strengthened. Through the study of the word. So he will help create good things that cause you to spend time, which actually takes away from the main thing that helps to stabilize your faith. You're not listening to me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. See, because faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So anything that causes you to take time from studying and hearing the word is designed to undermine your faith. You see, you, you, mm, mm, mm. 
you misunderstood what happened. You bought a car. You spent too much money on it. Your bad credit went through. And you walk out saying, praise the Lord. When in fact, the Lord had nothing to do with it. Because God wants us to live within our means. Oh, y'all not listening to me. He wants us to do things decently and in order. We put the blessing on God, but it wasn't God. It was the devil blessing you with the intent that when the car note is due and you've got to make a decision of whether or not you're going to return tithe and offering versus pay for the car. The Lord will understand. Come on now. And it undermines our faith. Y'all can get quiet on me now. Uh -huh. What I'm trying to tell you is you've got to learn to trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own under standing in all of your ways you've got to learn to acknowledge him and he will direct your path stewardship stewardship is a constant reminder that we are not our own Success is not based upon our mentality. Success is based upon doing what God says to do. For when you do what God has asked you to do, uh, he makes himself uh, personally responsible for your success. So that now I understand my time is not my own. God is the author of my time and I must be willing to give God the time he requires of my life. My talents are not my own. My talents come from God and I must use my talents to be a blessing to the cause of God. My money is not my own. Y'all might be quiet out there. My money comes from God. And the way I use my money is determined by how I trust in the Lord. Are y'all listening to me? In other words, listen, listen, listen. I know that the, the, the focus is on stewardship, but I'm trying to tell you that if stewardship is going to be a, a main factor in your life, you're going to have to build it on a foundation of faith. And God's accounting is different from ours. God adds by subtracting. And he multiplies by dividing. And unless you have faith to believe, that God is ultimately in control, you step away from the blessing God wants to bestow on your life. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, mm, mm. Help me, Luke. 
help me. In these last days, what, what am I going to need to hold on to? And I find that Luke's focus is on faith. Luke wants to say you can't get discouraged, so discouraged that you give up, you give in, you lose hope. So when Luke begins to talk about last day events, help me, Holy Ghost. When Luke begins to talk about last day events, he begins it in chapter 17. And he starts chapter 17 off by talking about four men that break open a roof to let their friend down so that Jesus can heal him. Luke is saying, you've got to think outside of the box. You can't always get in the front door. Sometimes you've got to do extreme activity and go to the roof. Come on now. Uh-huh. In your life, you're, it's not going to be the normal things that uh, get it across. You, you've got to be willing to be led by the Spirit of God whispering in your life. And you say, well, that doesn't sound right. And God says, but I'm telling you. This is where the blessing is. He goes on to tell the story about the centurion who asked Jesus to come to his house to help out his servant. And the next thing that happens is he sends another message back to Jesus. He said, Lord, my bad. I didn't realize who I was talking to. See, you are a person of authority, and I'm a person of authority. Listen, you don't even have to come to my house. All you got to do is just speak the word. Jesus stops what he's doing, and he says, wait a minute. I haven't seen this kind of faith in the chosen ones. Missed it. Mm. He then goes on to tell the story of the disciples in a boat, caught in a storm, and Jesus is asleep. And the disciples said, Lord, don't you care about us? Can't you wake up and, and help us? We're about to die. And Jesus stands up and he says, oh, ye of little faith. Why little faith? Because Jesus has never had problems with the elements. Whatever circumstances you are facing, understand that your circumstances is not the problem. See, you missed it. Jesus stands up. Jesus stands up and he says, shh. And the wind stopped blowing. And the waves stopped rumbling. And the clouds roll back, and it's a peaceful night. So his problem is not with the elements, because they have always obeyed. His voice. The problem is with the people in the boat, because they're the ones that have trouble obeying. Come on now. Are you listening to me? Whatever our circumstances are today, it's not the circumstances that's the problem. It's us. We've got to be able to stand on the word of God. If God says it, that settles it, whether you believe it or not. Mm, 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 mm. Luke goes on. And then he tells the story of the ten leopards. And he tells them, go show yourself to the priest. I'm talking about last day events now. Go show yourselves to the priest. 
And as they went, they were cleansed. And one turned around. Luke identified him as being a Samaritan. The other nine were chosen. He said, well, why is it that just one comes back to give glory? Well, 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 that's a good question. I'm not going to take time to answer it. I am going to just highlight the fact that in these last days, you're going to need to have a spirit of gratitude. You're going to need to have a spirit of praise. You're going to have to learn how to praise God in every situation and circumstance. You're not able to tell the end of the story by what's going on in in the middle. You're going to have to learn how to praise God in spite of. Oh, y'all not listening to me. I, I, I read this story. I read this story. I got to end. I read this story about this, 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 this man and this king, and he had a very close friend, and these two were inseparable as they grew up. The friend had a responsibility of being the, the special servant of the king, and, and what they enjoyed doing was going out and, and hunting. So, so, so one day they decided that they were going to go hunting, but the friend accidentally put too much gunpowder in the king's gun. So when the king shot off his gun, there was a backfire, and it blew off the thumb of the king. The king was so upset with his friend, he didn't want to kill him, but he wanted to make sure that he understood that he had done a terrible thing, so he threw him in jail, and he made him stay there. Weeks went by, months went by, a year actually went by. By this time, the king's finger had, uh, had healed, and now he decides he's going hunting again. He goes hunting now, this time in a party, but he goes into an area that he hadn't been in before. And unfortunately, it was an area of enemies. Uh-huh. And so they captured the king, and this group of people actually were cannibals. So they start going through the ceremonial washing of the king in order to have him for lunch. Come on now. Uh-huh. Well, when they, they, they got through the ceremonial washing, they found out that he had a thumb missing. And they had an old ancient tradition that said they would not eat anything that was not whole. So they let the king go. The king goes back to his territory and he says, you know what? This was a blessing. And he, he goes to the jail and he, he says to the he says to his friend, he says, listen, I am so sorry I've treated you the way I have. And the friend said, praise the Lord. The king says, why are you saying praise the Lord? The old man said, because I've got all of my fingers, I would have been with you and they would have eaten me. You just don't know how God is going to fix stuff. You need to know that God has ways to address issues in our lives that we can never think of. Come here, Joseph. Joseph would tell you, I didn't think God was blessing me when my brothers turned on me. I didn't think God was blessing me when I was thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, lied upon at Potiphar's house, forgotten about in prison. But after a while, I found out that you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Woo! You don't know how the story is going to end. And so Luke, Luke would say, listen, when Jesus comes back, there are going to be some things that are going to be taking place. You're going to find out that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be 
in the coming of the Son of Man. What is significant about the days of Noah? The days of Noah was times of no restraint. Everybody did what seemed right in their own eyes. They were marrying and giving in marriage. And the church seemed to step back and allow this kind of stuff to go on. Let me put a pin right there. Let me put a pin right there because as a church, we miss something here. It is not right. It's not biblically sound for a man to marry a man. Hallelujah. Or a woman to marry a woman. But just because they have issues doesn't mean that the church should not treat them with love and respect. Oh my. Oh my. You see, you see, come on now, come on. You see, here's the issue. Sin is sin. Any sin will keep you out of the kingdom. Envy in your heart, keep you out. Unforgiving spirit, keep you out. Lying tongue, keep you out. Come on now. Anything that is not of God will keep you out. And if we don't treat individuals with love and respect, then what's the difference? Now, this is my pitch for you to come back to the second service. Because I'm going to deal with how Jesus deals with our growth needs. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. And then he goes on to say, as it was in the days of Lot. Huh. Lot. Sodom and Gomorrah. All right. And see, we focus in on the behavior in Sodom and Gomorrah, but it's deeper than that. What the days of Lot provide is that you can be saved and start longing for the things back there and turn around and go in the opposite direction. Folk in the church that once walked with you, that once believed the same truth that God has shared in his word, but because of your circumstances, because of your experiences, because of your situation, you find yourself giving up. Turning around. Going in the opposite direction. Luke says it's going to be so serious that one will be in the two will be in the field, one taken, the other one left. Two on the housetop, one taken, the other one left. You're going to be so close with individuals that you can't really tell whether or not a person is saved because salvation is not within your purview. Your responsibility is to remain faithful. Luke then tells a story about the unjust judge. 
He then talks about the Pharisee and the public, and I can't run past it. My time is up, but I can't run past it. You know the Pharisee, the one that prayed, Lord, I am so thankful I'm not like them. I'm a Sabbath keeper. I'm a vegetarian. I've taken my makeup and my jewelry off. Wrong crowd, huh? Lord, I'm so thankful that I'm not like them. And the publican say, Lord, I'm just a sinner. Save me for give me. And Jesus says, now which one leaves that place justified? Luke, help me one more time. Luke says, he's the only gospel writer that shares this information. If I can just get past Minato General Savior very softly. The only gospel writer that shares this insight. Jesus is now going through his last day experience. He gathers the remaining 11 disciples and he says, come with me. And they leave the upper room and they go to Gethsemane. Servant of the Lord says that he stops eight of them and says, you guys stay right here. Peter, James, and John, come on with me. And they go farther into the garden. Jesus looks at him, he knows what he's about to face, and he says, pray with me just for an hour. He goes farther into the garden, and he says, Father, if it be at all possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but Thy will be done. Great drops of blood now began to pour from his skin. And he has this hope that those that really love him and care about him is going to be struggling with him in prayer. He goes back to where they are and instead of them being in earnest prayer. Their sleep. Disappointment is all over Jesus' face as he wakes them up and he says, couldn't you pray with me just for an hour? Lord, we're sorry. Give us another chance. All right, and Jesus goes back. Struggling with the Father. Lord and Father, if there's any way that this can be changed, please. But not my will. Thy will be done. And he goes back to the disciples and sleeping. Here is the difference in all of the other stories. And Luke brings it out. Sometimes between this last disappointment and the soldiers coming in to Gethsemane to arrest Jesus, Jesus says, Peter, come here. Come on. Let me walk with you. Listen, man, I know you couldn't pray for me, but here's the deal. Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. 
But I don't want you to get so discouraged and frustrated that you give up. Because I've prayed for you. And listen to my prayer. I didn't pray that you stop cussing. Because I can handle that. And I didn't pray that you don't cut the man's ear off. Because I can handle that. I didn't even pray that you won't deny me. Because I can handle that. I'm going to tell you what I prayed for. I prayed that your faith fails not. Because if your faith holds on, I can get you. I can make it through for you. I need you to understand that without faith, it's impossible to please me. He that cometh to God must first believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of him that diligently seek him. I'm praying for your faith. That's what I've stopped by to tell you. We've got to have faith in these last days. Luke asked the question, will there be faith on the earth when Jesus comes back? He didn't answer it, but Paul did. Paul said, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain hallelujah somebody is gonna make it somebody is gonna hold on somebody is gonna not look at their circumstances but look to the hills from whence cometh their help and know that the help comes from the Lord. That's why I like what the old songwriter said when he said, lift up the trumpet loud, let it ring. Jesus is coming again. Cheer up, ye pilgrims. Be joyful and sing. Jesus is coming again. Somebody needs to know today that your trouble has an expiration date on it. The psalmist says weeping can only endure for a night but joy. I said joy. I said joy is going to come in the end. John said it like this. There's coming a day and a time when there'll be no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more sadness, no more tears, no more death. For the former things have passed away. Behold, I make all things new. I don't know about you. I tell you what I'm committed to. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining day by day. Your faith. Your faith. Your faith. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed.